Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Pursuit from Bourbon to Brand. However you found us, we're so glad you're here as we get behind the scenes with the Pursuit Spirits brand. I'm your host, Brian Bikey, and joining me as always, we have both the king of TikTok and the king of Live Journal, Ryan and Kenny. How's it going, everybody? Hey, what's worse? I don't know, man. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to lead it with is I, I kind of used to be big on TikTok and then that, that fell off pretty quickly and we'll get into that later, but I don't even know what live journal is and I should be a tech guy. Ryan, did you used to have a Zanga or a live journal? The hell's a Zanga? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or a is live this journal. Is like a MySpace page sort of thing? Well, I uh, I couldn't tell you what became, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg, but they were just like web, they were just paid, they're blah, they're like a journal, a digital journal where you would, you know, do journaly shit. <laughs> Was that kind of like blogger.com, like when that became Blogspot or whatever? I I was on both of them prior to Blogspot. Blogspot, was that by WordPress or was our WordPress and Blogspot two separate things? No, I think they were two, two different things. I mean, WordPress came out of nowhere, but that became more along a, a CMS. And, and that's what, I mean, it is amazing that something that became as a blogging platform is now running, what, I think 75% of all websites around the world now? Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And it's like free, isn't it? WordPress? Yeah. It's all open it's all source. It's like all open source. It's, I think that guy's name is like Matt Mullenix or Mullenwigger or something. I don't know. He was on a podcast. He's a fascinating character. Yeah, no, there's bourbon. Uh, we should get him on this podcast. Yeah, hopefully. I yeah, no, he's a scotch trigger. Open source is uh, one of the things that are near and dear to my heart working in the tech side. I mean, that's one of the things that I worked on for a long time is open source software. So seeing that there's power and community and knowing that you can look at other people as building a project together is a, is a kind of cool thing. I wonder if it would ever work for bourbon one day. Probably not. Does Zanga still exist? <laughs> Resolved. Really, yeah. Really diving into this one. All right. I'll, I'll think about my subject anymore. I'm just thinking like, you well, I think Buffalo Trace was probably the best example because they did the CYPB where they took a bunch of data to go make a bunch of bourbon, but that isn't necessarily people going and actually making bourbon together, such as what it would be with open source software where everybody's committing code and everybody's on the same mission, but there's also a uniform body that is uh, governing everything that, that goes into it as well. Yeah, I'd actually be curious if, if CYPB was your perfect weller, Please leave us a message. I'd be really <laughs> curious to hear. I've not, I've not met a single person who's actually tried it and then been like, you know what? That, that was, was what I was missing. <laughs> yeah, I was talk. So I was just doing the live stream for the raffle, and somebody won that, and I was like, "Craft your perfect bourbon," where they took a lot of results and maybe made the perfect bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did what they thought they wanted to do all along. Because I was like, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, uh. I didn't think it was as good as a regular Weller, but whatever. What do I know? We were talking before the show, uh, and we were talking about content, content creation. And uh, in regards to brands like this one, other brands that we see, and then just content creators, we were kind of curious about content and its funnel for sales. And this is, you know, kind of 
namely from uh, a brand's perspective, as we've been kind of either leaning into stuff for Pursuit Spirits or just kind of seeing what's popular and what really drives things. And I think these are always going to work within, as you hear a lot of people talk about, algorithms of the specific uh, pro- platforms that are that are popular right now. But yeah, even a little bit of what Kenny just briefly mentioned uh, about TikTok. Let's let's kind of start there, and then we'll kind of get into this this whole topic uh, as a whole of what of what we are going to get into with content as the funnel for sales. We'll we'll start back a, a little bit because TikTok kind of came to me a little bit. I think it had it was a, it was a pandemic thing, right? Because I think that's when everybody kind of found TikTok. But for me, I looked at that. As, as a way to kind of figure out, well, what's next for what we want to try to do? Because I felt like I missed the boat on Instagram. When we started Bourbon Pursuit, I put a lot of emphasis on Twitter because I thought Twitter was at that time, the end all be all of where we needed to be. That's our people. That's where everything's happening. But for the most part, that is, that's happens in the, the tech world, but not necessarily inside of, of bourbon world. There's a lot of things that are happening inside of Facebook. Facebook, as we have talked about time and time again, is a good place to find your people because this is typically the demographic of where people are are congregating. This is where bourbon secondary groups were formed. This is where bourbon clubs are built. And so Facebook has been a, a, a great avenue to make that happen. Plus, it's a low barrier to entry because people are on Facebook anyway, especially in our generation. A lot of us got on Facebook when you only could get on when there was a .edu email address. And so for a lot of us, we've been kind of Facebook native. I think that's the way it's been. So you're talking to a, an, an older uh, millennial generation, uh, or should I say younger, yeah, older millennial generation to be able to kind of get into that. But as, as we kind of look into the next form of short form content, it's been a, it's been a drastic change. So for me, when I saw TikTok, the reason I saw TikTok was actually on Facebook. We, it was, as you said, before the pandemic, you're sitting there scrolling through and you got TikTok ads. I'm like, what the fuck? what is this? There's like a clown or like there's somebody dancing or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know, but let's download this thing and figure what it's all about because I missed the boat on Instagram. I felt, because right now we're sitting at like for Bourbon Pursuit, 60 some odd thousand followers on Instagram. If we were on when it first took a, a big initial wave, I'm guaranteed we'd probably be over 100,000. And so I'm I'm mad that we missed that boat a little bit. And so I told myself, I'm not going to miss another one. So I'm always going to dabble a little bit into trying to figure out what's next or what can we get our hands wet with and try to figure everything out. So when I downloaded TikTok, I just started scrolling to just try to figure out, well, what, what, what is this? What's this all about? And yes, you've got people dancing, you've got some funny things that are, you know, you've got pranks, you got whatever. But every once in a while, you come across some gold, which are just memes. Like, it's like just fun stuff. And that's when I realized, oh, well, I can translate into these memes as like bourbon related stuff. And that's kind of how it all started. So I'm not going to say that I was the first one to get on starting bourbon TikTok, but I was definitely one of the initial people that were there and, and trying to and this is like the pre-pandemic area trying to make sure this happens is trying to just look at trends that are happening and try to adapt into bourbon. 
And it was there were some fun ones that were out there, but it didn't really take off until one viral video. And it wasn't even one that I did on purpose. It was one that we did as a sponsored post. And it was that damn melted ice cube that all of a sudden took off. And it must have just because, you know, it's a very satisfying thing to watch. But when it did take off, if you've never gone viral on any platform before, you have never seen notifications go off on your phone. Because if you get a notification for anything, wait until, I don't know, 100,000 go off within the span of a few hours and you have no idea what's happening. So you end up going to bed, you open up the next morning and all of a sudden your video has 50,000 views, then it has 150,000 views, then it has 500,000 views, then it has a million views. And now that video is up to, I think like almost 12 or 15 million views. So it's just one of those things that it really took off. And that really what kind of took Bourbon Pursuit's TikTok into the 190,000 followers that it has now. You know, I, I tried to keep up with it as best as I can and, and try to just put more content out there, but it's tough. And I think, Brian, you can probably lay some color on this as well. And I, I know, Ryan, you've tried too. Instagram feels easy. Instagram feels easy because you can take a picture and you can post it there, you can post it to Facebook, but you want to do video and you do really good video or you want to do something that's even like maybe a 10 second video that has some sort of captivating content. It's actually very hard. I mean, you could spend two to four hours just trying to figure out how to build that 10 to 15 second clip. And so that's been one of the things that's been difficult to grasp going into this next phase is that I haven't been able to spend as much time on TikTok as I, I as I've wanted to because there's other parts of the business and other things that I needed to do that take away more of my time. But I do try to spend some time on Saturday night, Sunday mornings and stuff like that, scrolling through and see if there's anything fun that I can go and coalesce into something bourbon related. But uh, I want to say that that ship has sailed. Um, the amount of engagement that I get off of it is is minimal compared to what I used to. But it just goes to show you that you do have to stay engaged with your audience to be able to make sure that you continue to build that, uh, that fan base that's out there too. Yeah, real quick, I want to ask, uh, on that topic too, just because it, it pertains a little bit to the main point of the topic, when you saw that that viral hit there on TikTok, was there any conversion that you saw with listens to the podcast? Or is it just something that stayed enclosed in the TikTok kind of system in, in that kind of realm? There was a little bit. It wasn't insane. So the cool thing is that what we've been able to do is switch a lot of our, if anybody knows that you have one link that you can use in your profiles that go to all your links that go to it. And some people use like tiny link and some people use a few different things. We use beacons, uh, beacons.ai. I got caught into one of them uh, a few years ago. And so with beacons.ai is they're able, we, A, you can customize everything. And the cool thing about it is it's like, it's very speedy, very responsive, very fast service on how you pull up a profile on somebody. But you also get to see all the links they click on, how long they stay on it. Uh, it's You get a lot of good data just on how long they stay on your profile. So being able to look at that, I could see, especially on day one, is that people were clicking on our 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 link to figure out exactly who we are and what we do. And so it makes, it's very important to know when you're creating those links, 
how succinct that you need to be on telling your story or telling exactly where people need to go to find you very, very quickly. And so that was able to see exactly, okay, well, how many conversions were there to Spotify? How many conversions were there to Apple? How many conversions were there to our Patreon? How many conversions to whatever? And so there was, we, we could take some of that data and, and work with it, but I'm not going to say that lightning doesn't strike twice. So we need to continually stay on top of that just to make sure that in case something does come out where it does get a little bit of a viral factor to it, we have to continually just sit there and I don't know, nurture it, making sure that we uh, make sure the links are going either to the right places. We're making sure that it's, it's aligned in the same exact way. It's like anything else that we want to do when we're trying to figure out how do we create a crafted experience for somebody, you want to make sure that they are guided to the right position. And so the same exact thing goes with just simple link placement. Yeah. But I wonder, I'm curious how much Elijah Craig barrel proof sales went up after that. Video, oh, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> I screw. You know what the, the crazy thing is, is that in that video, I say, this is what I think it was like an $800 or like a $900 ice ball press looks like. And it's, I mean, it is, for anybody that doesn't know, it is a pure piece of copper and it's copper induction. And that thing is probably, right, you've held it before, 20 pounds? Oh, at least. Easy 20 pounds. You don't want to drop it on your foot. That's for sure. <laughs> no, it'll, that'll, that'll break a digit. So what this will do, I mean, it basically, it really forms it into a ball just, just off of induction. And everybody that commented were like, oh, you're going to use a $30 bottle for an $800 ball of ice. I'm like, it's a logic Craig bill proof. It's like a $70 bottle, right? <laughs> Completely different. <laughs> that was wild. Yeah. It's fascinating. Like, uh, you talk about, you know, guiding people to links and this and that with alcohol and like translating, like, you know, content or social media exposure and this and that. It, it's so difficult to track and like see if it's like actually, I mean, you, we, you have an online retailer, which is cool, but, uh, you know, not a lot of your audience is in shipping states. And so, and you, so you can't necessarily direct them to a, you know, a click now or buy now or this or that. And I think it's changing with, you know, Reserve Bar and this and that and Drizzly and whatnot. But it's hard to like, I guess, gauge and maybe there's, you can say there's things out there that can, but how do you track the data that says like, okay, this is definitely like getting people when they go into the store to like recognize the bottle, pull it off the shelves and this and that it, because they're, they're having to go to a store location that may or may not have you. And you know, it, it's like, how do you, can you make sure or know that this is like a good use of your time? Well, so I think what you're bringing up is, is one of the things that's interesting about our, market or our category and how this typically works because yeah like you said a lot of times in this particular situation you're building a funnel you're getting attention and you're continuing to drive people through this funnel in order to get conversions to get sales whatever it is that you're trying to drive them to and in a lot of cases things that i've seen before you know a big one is to is to get people on to a newsletter it, you know, newsletter is still the best way to reach people more than your social media platforms and everything. And so you'll you'll see this all the time. You'll scroll through your feed. It doesn't matter what the feed is. And you get some sort of ad. And, and now they've gone from being more polished to just more casual. It's because the casual things that you're scrolling through are the things that will keep your attention. And then all of a sudden, it's just some random guy being like, hey, I found I've got this problem. And and I, I disregarded all these other things that were confusing, but I found this thing. 
And I want to tell you about it. Just sign up for this link in my bio and I'll, I'll tell you for free, right? And, and it seems so easy in order to get that information. Now, not diving into that, all of that really right now, but the thing, the, the, the disconnect that we have here is that because of the, the three-tier system, because of the systems that, that we're kind of in and selling, you know, we don't have as easy access to say as a brand, hey, here's a here now that i've collected the newsletter i can get get you stuff where i can see direct conversion because you can't send something to somebody to usually get that direct conversion and like you mentioned it's hard to know there's there's that missing piece where if you have to then put someone down the funnel but then the funnel actually has to get them to physically go into a physical space to purchase something there's a there's a lot of barrier there uh, so it's tricky, I would say, for brands to try and figure out the funnel entirely, but then how to use content to do that. Like even in the content that we're talking about now, sometimes I wonder if we're stuck in the top of the funnel where we're really just kind of getting the intrigue. We're getting people's interest in stuff, but then missing an opportunity to do anything else with that. And it makes you wonder sometimes, like, does that even still, even if it's engaging to people. And even if you might get some comments from people, which is kind of continuing again to move them through the funnel, are they still engaging with the brand over time? Or are we just kind of adding to this noise cycle of continual cluttery content? So there's kind of a lot there, but some things to think about from what you were just mentioning. Yeah. Cause a company like bird dogs or something, you know, like, or, you know, a clothing or apparel, it's like, Okay, you can have this cool ad or funny ad, and then it's like shop now, buy now, this and that. But that and appeals too, to a, a greater audience as well. Yeah, totally. But then you know, like I've noticed, like within bourbon social media, or whatever, it's a lot of it's a you know the people that are engaging, I guess, with the brands are a lot of the same people. You know, it's like there there are a lot of similar. It's like a small you know, hundred thousand person circle and they're all kind of engaging similarly with each brand. Cause if you're following like a bourbon brand, you're, it's, it seems like you're very like kind of more niche. I don't know. Um, hundred thousand might be generous too. Yeah. And so th that's the, the tricky part too, about like bourbon social media, it feels like kind of like a bubble almost too, where it's like the same people are kind of like commenting and interacting and whatnot. And it's like, is that help? helping the brand long-term, I guess. So when I think about it, there is, there's, there's a lot of ways to look at this. Yes. I understand what you're saying, Ryan. And I, I see it and I feel it too, because it does look like it's the same players and same actors on everybody's social media forum on the same feeds. And, and maybe it's a, maybe it's a sense of FOMO. It's like, Oh, who's that? Where are they? How do they have any followers? Blah, blah, blah. And it's, I don't know if it's even a real correlation anymore, to be honest with you. It, it does feel a little bit like an echo chamber when you're getting into it, because if it's the same people going around giving comments on the same exact people's posts, what's it doing? I, and that's what I, I think I, I'm trying to struggle to, to see as well. Now, to kind of take your, your other point of this is like, you still have to do it. Like there's no right. way you, you there's no way you can't not do it. Like on the off chance that there is the other, we'll say we'll say 
for lack of a better term, there's 10, not even that. We'll say there's 3,000 people in the inner circle that are just the influencers, the whatever, and they all comment on each other. It's the same people you always see all the time. Now, that we could look at as like, well, that's 10% of maybe whatever is is getting published. Because how many people do you scroll through or how many people do you follow that you don't comment on, that you don't like, but you sit there and you look at their content anyway? And I think that's, that's all the probably, time. I never comment. Exactly. And that's that's <laughs> yeah. probably what it is. I think that's that's probably what it comes down to is that we have to still look for that 90% of people that are they don't they don't want to be they don't want to sit there and comment. They don't want to sit there and interact with the brand. That's just not their style. I mean, to be fair, like we live in a very I don't want to say introvert kind of world, but kind of it is to a different degree. I mean, People can be keyboard warriors, but at the same exact time, they're just like, well, I'll just go ahead and scroll and I'll watch this, but I don't need to comment. I'll share it because I think it's funny or I think it's cool. And I think maybe that's probably what one thing we need to do is maybe we need to think about making more shareable content, something that isn't just something that's engaging, but it's something that people want to share with others. Like, I think that's probably what makes things go more viral than anything else is that people want to sit there and show people to say, hey, look what I found. You should see this too. And it's not to say like, oh, I need to put, I don't want it, I don't want to just need to interject my opinion. I don't need to give a like, but instead I need to make sure other people share this. And I think we just found the holy grail right there. We didn't make more shareable content. What? Give me an example of like shareable content. So uh, a shareable content. Uh, let's let's look at it. I mean, if we were, let's just take it up from a, a bourbon side of things. So it it could be as something as simple as maybe it, maybe it is a new bourbon release. Um, and it's it's something that's like, hey, here's what's coming out with this, what we're doing, what do you think of this, so on and so forth. But it, yeah, we try to get people to engage with it, but it could be like, hey, share, hey, honey, go find me a bottle of this. Hey, uh, my liquor store owner, these guys are coming out with something. I need you to can you can you get this into me? I don't know. I mean, like something like that is is something I can think off the top of my head. There's probably 10 other things, but I need some time to sit there and digest <laughs> no, it. Okay. Well, I mean, I, honestly, this is probably the one thing that me and you and all of us in this team need to work on. We're very reactive in what we do in sort of social media. We're not very proactive. So we are, we're always sitting there either waiting for the meme or just like hopping on a trend or whatever it is. We, and, and this is not to say that it's a, a fault of any of us because we have no time for it, but it, one day when we have time for it, we should get together and get a whiteboard and sit there and look at what do the next three months of things that we need to talk about look like, and let's build a social media campaign around it. And we've never done any of that. Everything we do, like anybody that's listening right now, you are listening to the social team, not only just for Pursuit Spirits, but also Bourbon Pursuit. Like this is the entire team. And we don't take a time to sit there and say, oh, well, National Bourbon Day is on, I don't know, it's on the calendar. It's coming up like another month or two. We haven't figured out what we're going to post on National Bourbon Day. We haven't figured out like what we're going to do for April Fool's Day next year. Like those are the things that we should probably think about that creates more engaging and shareable kind of content instead of just being like shooting from the hip and like, hey, let's throw this out today and see what happens. Yeah, what do you, I guess my question is, what do you think? Because obviously social media works, it's, it for brands and it's important because you look at like smoke wagon penelope all these blue run you know they've had like powerful you know Silbox's done a great job too on you know just converting people to their website that's one of the unique things about them 
I guess the hard part for me is like, because we're too like humble sometimes, you don't want to just like blast people with stuff about yourself. But it does seem like the people and brands that are constantly talking about themselves or this or that, I I don't want to say like narcissistic because that's a bad word. People that I guess put all the focus on themselves have really good success on there and they're not necessarily falling into those you know just doing fun cute topics you know to get people to interact with you and so what's the balance there what is and i'd be curious to see what like people you know because we have a great audience that gives us great suggestions like what do you like to see from a brand as far as content you know like is it about the process or the product or is it like you just like to have fun with them i don't know I'm, i'm curious to see what really resonates with people yeah, and honestly, I think I think both of the I think the things that both of you all said intersect in this way where when we're talking about kind of the top of the funnel, you know, I think everything in reacting and playing on the trends has been able to do that. And we're able to just kind of play and see what people like. And the reason I mention that is because, you know, I still, as I was talking to Ryan before the show, I still fall a little bit more traditional about things, which falls out of the current algorithm of at least Instagram as a platform right now. I still believe that for a brand to represent itself well, it should have an aesthetic, it should stay consistent with the aesthetic, and it should look, you know, well done, well shot. And that's not where the algorithm functions things right now. Like photo is not, um, it, it doesn't generate the same thing. And then, you know, there was the whole thing, especially when Instagram first came out about it being fake. Like you can just fake it. You can style it. Like it's not real, which probably that sort of reaction is what pushed us into this thing now where be real as a platform, like has become a thing and reels because yeah, I think you can stage some of those things, but for the short for, form, the short form content at its core, I would assume is the unpolished, the not need professional gear, the the raw takes on things to get away from more of a manufactured life. However, as a brand, I still feel like there at least at least has to be a balance of that because you want to showcase your brand well, not poorly. And so a lot of things that I find just interesting is that when we post things, this it's more just getting aggregate at this point. We post some of the trendy things out there. And we still end up engaging with people. It does get some shares. It does get higher content than something that is more on brand for us. Except is where I mentioned the intersection is with what uh, Ryan was talking about is when you get people deeper into it, you get just past the past the caption. And let's break this down in terms of maybe someone who's on YouTube. The differences would be kind of the a how-to guide or your top 10 lists is kind of, those are things that spark the interest. They're like, oh, I got to, you know, catch this things. And then the middle, what what drives someone deeper would be, these are the best under this price. So you go from something that's just kind of, uh, I don't know, you, you take something and you put it into a category that's giving more information than just drawing attention. And the way that I see that that could work for the brand, something that you all and I have talked about over the last couple of months that makes things a little difficult, at least as we kind of three are in different places a lot, is that we really need the two of you all on or like behind on the on the front of that camera a lot more than we get you all on there. But not just in pictures. It would be, you know, explaining what you're doing when you're tasting through 
new oak collection trials or it, you know when you're in the in the life of and all the things that you all would go through for pursuit spirits or you know a tasting leading up to a tasting in a day anything like that because I think it's going to get past that initial capture of information, which we've kind of been playing with, and we can continue to form that. And it starts to then have people, like you said, Ryan, with Smoke Wagon. I think the reason people are following Smoke Wagon is because they know there's a certain cadence where he's going to talk about whatever the most recent batch is. And they want to hear what that's going to be like. They want to get a review. They want to get a rundown to see if that's something that they're going to want to buy. And similarly, I think that if you all have content where you all are just talking about the process, It's going to help build rapport with you all, build rapport with the brand, and it helps establish just trust with you all as a brand. There's 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 more connection there, thus maybe more likely to continue to go down the funnel. However, that shapes itself. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, there's it's transparency is in our DNA between Ryan and I. I think that's probably what we've talked about all the time is that we're transparent to a fault. And we have probably done a, I want to say we've done a poor job of doing it, but we we can always do a better job of making sure that we are in front of audiences more often, be able to talk about it. I know Ryan has done a few different lives where he tried to talk about his blending process and everything. He's tried to do like that as well. But it's it's a hard thing to keep in, on, on top of. And I think that, Hopefully, people can give us a little bit of empathy and and understand that uh, you know we're, this is still not our our daily lives. We still have day jobs and families and everything like that, like that in between. If if whiskey was our full time job and we could hang out at the warehouse all day, taste whiskey samples, and you know just talk about all the bad things that also go on, we'd be more than happy to share everything that goes on. I think that's. I think that's the thing that makes us fun and makes us, I don't want to say relatable, but we want to make sure that we, and this is why we have the podcast. We want to share an insider experience of what happens between building a bourbon brand. And these are all things we're thinking of, but if we were able to go full time with it, then yes, we would have more time to be able to sit there and, and do funny TikToks or reels or just build content in general. But instead I'm sitting there answering emails at least, nine hours a day and then dealing with spreadsheets another nine hours a day. And I know Ryan's got a lot of things going up his, uh, up his alley too. So it's just one of those things that hopefully we can, we can find that balance one day and we're trying to be able to push more towards that way. And, and uh, Brian, you've done a good job of making sure that you take what little content we do have of us together and trying to piece it into something that we can share, because I do appreciate being able to at least put something out there. And I think that, I think that's one of the things that we try to do with, at least in our brand, is that we're serious, but we're but we're not that serious, and and that's what I want to make sure that we get across with this is that for pursuit spirits, like you all know us, you listen to podcasts, like we're humorous, like we try to find we try to find the funny in everything, and if you try to take the funny out of it, and it just becomes just too rigid or whatever it is for talking about whiskey, like that's just not us. And so we want to make sure that we continue that, that sort of candor and make sure that people are, 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 you know, they find that something that they were attracted to at the same exact time as well. I just find it hard, I guess me personally to like the, the things that we, that you've done a great job with Brian highlighting us, but that's like 
like 1% of the day, <laughs> you know, that's like the highlight reel, I guess. And it's not like how real do people want to get? Cause it can get very like boring and I find it interesting, but does somebody want to sit there and watch me? Like, like last night I poured, you know, I made 20 different samples for Oak Collection, just messing around with different flavors and I'm not even tasting them. I'm just making up the samples just to put into a bottle so that I can taste them in two to three weeks to see if they're worth a damn or not, <laughs> you know? And does somebody want to see that? Maybe. I don't know. To me, I'm like, why the hell would they want to watch me pour whiskey into a bottle and make samples? But I don't know. Maybe that's something that resonates with people. Yeah. And I, I think th- it depends. I think they do. I, I think they do. I think it depends too on like how, what that format looks like if you're interacting with them or not. I think a lot of times, at least, you know, a couple years back, I, those were kind of all the rage, especially people who would regularly chime in at the same times, then it's like, oh, I, I know that at this time they're going live, Ryan's tasting through samples, and I can ask questions about how things are going. And it's, you know, not all that different than when they tune into an episode of this podcast. They just get another little peek behind the scenes at, at what's going on. But the other thing, Brian, that you're able to do that we can't is basically camera angles and lighting. You've got a mm-hmm. you've got a knack with that that we don't. And so even if I have the newest damn iPhone, I still can't get the right angle that makes it look great or the lighting that makes it look great. And there is something to be said about that. There is a, there is a video production quality that is very hard to hit that you can just do with a, a regular phone. Yeah. yeah, when Brian was talking about crappy grainy organic photos, that's me. Right over. <laughs> <laughs> like I was at Hotel Distill this weekend. They had like it was such a cool room with like cool glass. I had brought some bottles and then there's a magazine ad with us in there. And I'm like, how can I make this look cool? And every time I just, it looked like uh, I looked and felt like a douchebag. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Full transparency. There's nothing that makes me more bummed is when our text thread goes off and it's one of the two of you all somewhere where I'm just like, Jesus, if I could just capture it instead of them. I know. That's what take this. <laughs> My wife so was like, much. we just need Brian to follow us. And I was like, all right. I just, I see, I see it in the moment. I'm like, God, they're 25 minutes away. I can't get out of what I'm getting into. And I just, if I could, if I could direct. And now the one thing that we, that we got successful was the reaction to that, that steak video. And like, oh, yeah. try well, to direct yeah. that one from far. Now I did. I've had a couple other concepts. I'm like, can I direct this from afar? I don't know if I can or not. But um, yeah, hey, I think we should try that sometime, though. We should try and have a... I'd, I think it'd be funny to follow around. Now, going back to something on this topic, but also something that Kenny mentioned the very, very beginning, which is when you talked about the time it takes to do this. And I, I still think there's a lot of benefit that comes from... And we've seen it. We've done it before. You know, if you were to capture... A lot of video of one particular thing, bottling day, for example, or maybe uh, tasting things in the lab or an event uh, that we're doing, uh, the, the Oak Collection release, anything like that. What's so neat about the short form, form content right now is you don't necessarily have to sacrifice long form content or you know nice production content. And just because of the format that Reels or YouTube shorts or anything that that is right now, you actually can get a lot of those pieces from long form content. So there's ways, depending on the media forms that you use, if you're on a, a YouTube platform or something like that, that you can use uh, bo- both and. 
and that's pretty beneficial. But one thing, you know, kind of before we end up tying things up tonight too, that I that I wanted to ask, you know, are you all actually seeing? Do you think more influencers or content creators who have this type of thing down, or do you do you actually see brands that you see doing this sort of thing? Well, because I I wonder if there's just a thing where people who are in the category of content creators or influencers, however you want to look at it, there's something about them. Maybe it's because they're more photo or video uh, geared or because they've figured out a shtick or because they don't have to filter themselves because it's for a brand. You know, do you see when we're talking about content as it funnels for sales, do the content creators and influencers have a better way to funnel than the brand? And if that's the case, why do you think it is? All right. I don't know about funnel. So I'm going to take your question in a different direction. But if there's one segment of people that know how to do short form content really well, especially in our industry, cocktails. Anybody that does cocktails or they're you know, and they're in the bar industry, that is a form of of short form video that always does well because it's a process. And you're sitting there and you're watching them do it. Like it's a mm-hmm. process, every single thing as it's being built and you get to see the final product at the end. And it takes less than 30 seconds. And so there's something about being able to watch something from a raw organic comp, you know, the, the construct of saying like, this is what I'm gonna build and here's the final product in 30 seconds. Like, how can you do that with bourbon? It's that's a very hard thing to do. You can't. It's not good to do in a, a thirty second bourbon review. It's not as good to do it in a lot of different things. Or hey, here's my ten bourbon hunting tips for Wednesday. <laughs> but the, being able to do forty million different cocktails like that just works really, really well. All right. So well, because it it it. it I think because. As a consumer of that content, it empowers you. It's something you can do on your own. Like, whereas, yes, that's something, you know, it's like cooking shows. People love that or YouTube cooking shows, whatever. Um, but like what we do, I mean, you can't go. Go blend whiskey and a laugh every day. Can't, can't go take a DeWalt in the warehouse and, you know, do that. It's like, it. it's not as a. You have to make it feel like you're going off to the island of Capri and you're going on a vacation nobody else can go on or something like that. Cliff diving and my Speedos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe that could be a, a future sticker, but sure, go keep going. But I do like those cocktail videos. You make up a great point. I mean, they do a great job at them and it's like 30 seconds and it's like something, ooh, that I can something I can try, you know? So I guess we just need to do all cocktail videos. That's <laughs> no, not it. It's not pivot again. It's yeah. not even about cocktail videos, even though we have talked about cocktails. I think it's something about taking steps. It's step by step and putting all those steps in the shortest form because you see it with somebody building a deck. You see it with somebody cleaning a house from from dirty to, to clean or oh, you know, well, those what, are just satisfying things though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See something just become dirty and clean. Oh, oh especially yeah. the ones where they 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 detail cars that are really dirty. Oh, I I love watching those. But I think I think too that's why you know the the influencers and reviewers have so much more traction than a brand does at promoting their own stuff is that you know they do it with a blind tasting or 
that are comparing this or that and this and it's like something a consumer can be like oh well i can get that bottle and do the same thing myself you know and see if i align with this influencer or not or i can do this with my whiskey group or this or that i guess it it i like that question because it's like do you invest as a brand of you preaching your product or do you invest in others to promote your product because it seems like having others promote your product seems better suited oh yeah I mean, it's kind of why why everybody hates Fred Minnick, because everybody's like, wait, I can be a risky reviewer. Why can't I do this? But we all know and love Fred. But that's one of those things that you look at it and you're right. You, you definitely get a lot more visibility and traction as somebody that's an outside looking in versus just the inside trying to promote out. And so it's, yeah, you're right. I think there's, there is something to be said about making sure that you can get the, the people on the outside be able to kind of clamor and talk about you versus just speaking into an echo chamber and trying to trying to build up that that rapport inside. But that's the fascinating thing about Smoke Wagon because I don't remember like Smoke Wagon being like a big it wasn't like a reviewer type thing. It was like it was all him. That's that, that was but like it doesn't seem like it works for other brands though. I don't know. Even with what Kenny just mentioned though that's so interesting. So you're saying that a brand can potentially have better success of funneling if they have other non-brand related people talking about it. So more quote unquote unbiased people talking about it, yet the also the step-by-step videos or the cocktail videos that are done are by somebody who has the authority to know the most about how to make the thing happen, which you would think would come from the brand who has the product, who, you know what I mean? So it's like, there's a, there's even that point has a little bit of a disconnect there, which is, it's, I mean, it's, I don't know. Some of them are paid partnerships. I'm sure yep. some of them are. I mean, that's that's how this all works. It's like, yeah, you you become the thirsty whale on TikTok. If you can go check him out, he's got, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of followers. He's a, he's a great personality. And yeah, he charges a boatload of money for a brand to go and he'll talk about, you, he won't even talk about your, your whiskey for 10 seconds. He'll go, and I'm making my box car today with Jameson. Next. And like that's all Jameson gets as a part of that plug. And so that's just one of those things. It's like you you have to make it they, they have to still make it organic to a degree, but they want to make sure that they I mean it's it's a it's a tough balance of making sure that you can I mean it's shit. It's the same exact thing we do at Bourbon Pursuit. We have brands that pay us money for advertising and we don't want to show favoritism, but we also want to make sure that we put them in the right light. So it's it's a it's a constant balance of making sure that you're not losing your credibility or your integrity to your audience, but making sure that you're able to also satisfy your customer, which is your 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 brand at the end of the day too. I'm not even sure where we got with this conversation, but uh, I guess uh, my question would be to you all in the audience is like, what is it about, or is there a connection through social media that you have with brands and what do you like about certain brands that lead you down that sales funnel, I guess? Or us or, or just bourbon pursuit. Like what, like, what is it? Because you're right. I mean, Maker's Mark has probably had one of the best billboard advertisements and magazine, magazine advertisements for what, how long? 15 years plus? Oh, longer than that. 30 yeah. years. <laughs> and so it's like, how does that translate into a digital world? And so I'd love to be able to know exactly how do people, you know, grasp onto that too. Because with the three tier, it's fascinating because you're, you're on social media, but then when you go to a store, you're bombarded with a whole different 
message of things because you're you have all the big players like advertising box case sales and point of sale stuff everywhere that's not necessarily like who's like popular on the 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 influencer side necessarily how do you make the social world translate to the the physical space of the the liquor store yeah you leave on a really interesting note and this would be a good time i think to to kind of pass it off to anyone to interact with us i think what you're asking is from some of the previous last couple of episodes that we had talked about and we're talking about cost of bottles we're talking about what people are comfortable spending and and how quality relates to that yada 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 we're not even talking about that. We're talking about content. We're talking about driving hype or getting attention of people, gaining retention, keeping retention of people. And it's funneled to sales, yet none of that necessarily has anything to do with product location, availability, or the price of it. So at some point in time, there has to be a, a merging of that that says, yes, content is is driving this and even if it stays top of mind with somebody how is it going to also inform them to make a purchasing decision when all those other factors we've talked about in other episodes are still hurdles in order to get there yep and i don't have an answer to it yeah i had this exact thought when i was in georgia doing uh right along with distributors you know it's like you can be you know, in the digital world, you can be quote unquote successful there, but I don't know as it necessarily translates into the physical store. Cause it still seems like the, the old school way is working there versus the new school way. No, I, I wish I had a better closing thought, but yeah, you're right. I, it's, this is something that I think we can go back and, and probably touch on again in a future episode, just because we can see what it looks like from a celebrity standpoint. I mean, celebrities, might have that digital world too. And I don't know if it also translates into sales at the register unless they're there signing bottles. And that's the same exact thing. It's like we can sit there and you can build up, you know, 150, 350, 500,000 followers on Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is. And you'll get some people that go out there, maybe buy it, but it doesn't necessarily translate into bottle sales at the end of the day. I think you have to, I think I think 500,000 is enough. I honestly, I think you need like millions. I'm, I'm talking like 10 to 20 million followers until it finally translates to bottle sales off the shelf. That's, I'll, I'll put that as a data point down there. That's the thing when you're, you're on that, that Instagram or you're in TikTok and it's fresh in mind right there when the, the ads and this and that are there, it's easy to buy. But when you, drop the phone down and you walk in the store and walk around, what are you bombarded with? All the other stuff that's not on social media. So it's everything that's in front of you, you know, bottle placement, display ads, point of sale, staff members, this and that. So it's like you're leaving the digital world getting promoted here. But as soon as you enter that physical world, it's totally different. With that, all the social media ads just got cut. Man, yet again, guys, another really interesting thinker of an episode, uh, content and funnel to sales. We'd love to hear from you all. Podcast at PursuitSpirits.com. Let us know some of your thoughts uh, along this episode of things that you've been thinking about. How is it that you interact with brands and and what is it that you're looking for when following them? Now, to you, is it just kind of an echo chamber? Is it something that's disconnected from what you might purchase in a store? Does content affect your decision of buying entirely or is it just because you're in the world of whiskey we'd love to hear podcast at pursuit spirits.com 
Thanks again, you guys, for your time. And thank you all, as always, for tuning in to another episode of Behind the Pursuit. Until next time, we'll see you all later. Doodles. Doodles.